Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi such a special place to live, work, and play. And every now and then we get an opportunity to, to really celebrate one of our one of our native sons who've gone off to do amazing things. And listen, I'm not going to read a bunch of quotes this morning or give you a bunch of speeches. I'm just going to go straight to my new friend, Ross Dellinger, and just say good morning. And we'll, we'll as we get into this conversation, people are going to learn a lot about you, Ross. But how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Rick. I appreciate you having me on. So let's uh, let's start with this because people will sort of get a sense of of who you are. But you know your dad, we know we know your dad well. He's been a coach for many years. He's an uh, an award winning uh, coach both in track for girls and boys. He's been a football coach. He's been involved um, in so many different ways. But you know the Dellinger family. When you just hear Dellinger, you think Biloxi. Uh, growing up in Biloxi and uh, being the son of, of Stan Dellinger and your mother. What are, what uh, tell me tell me what stands out most in your life? <laughs> Gosh, uh, wow, uh, the loaded one. I, I don't, um, you know, I I go back to growing up uh, with with my dad and traveling with him um, uh, for football games, you know, and being in the locker room at at the old uh, Mercy Cross and Saint Stanislaus and Bay St. Louis and uh, riding in the buses and you know beat on the sideline and and you know, just being around the team, you know, and that's, that's kind of how I, um, developed a, a passion for, for sports. Um, uh, I tried to play it at Mercy Cross for a couple of years. It, I, I wasn't, uh, uh, I wasn't big enough. I wasn't fast enough and, uh, I couldn't catch. So that's all, that's a problem. Um, <laughs> so I decided to, uh, to write about it, start writing about it instead. And yeah, my first job was down there as a senior in high school, kind of doing part-time covering high school football for, um, um, oh gosh, the, the, the Iberville press, I think it was a weekly newspaper down there. And, um, you know, it, it uh, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of got me started and and uh you know I, I couldn't ask for for better parents and a better family in in a better place to to grow up uh, i love the coast and i go back quite a bit uh, i live in dc now but i go back you know as often as i can um to to see family and be on the water and and all that stuff um it's it's still a special place to me well, you're now a national football writer for Sports Illustrated, and as you know, I came, I was publisher at the Sun-Herald, publisher in New Orleans, publisher in Mobile. I uh, was the uh, last 16 years of my career as a president publisher of, of some media company, and so I understand the digital age. It's been interesting following Sports Illustrated because they sort of you know, wax and wane as they kind of define what their digital strategy is going to be, but uh, you're, you're hiring you and one or two others was really kind of a statement that they were making that they were going to get pretty serious about national college football. You had been writing, I think, for the Baton Rouge Advocate for about five years doing LSU. I think is, is that number is correct. But um, it's got to feel awesome to be at Sports Illustrated now. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's certainly humbling. Uh, you know, yeah. If, if as far as my track record, um, you know, I started. Well, I went to Mississippi State uh, for college, and then. 
um, started as an intern in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, an AP news intern. Um, and, <laughs> and I, I, uh, I remember, uh, it was during that internship, the Sun Herald, uh, had a job opening for a business writer. It was to cover, uh, casinos. I think it was mainly casinos and gaming. And I had a scheduled interview to come down there to interview for that job. And at the last minute, I, I thought, you know, I, I just, I can't do news. I just, I don't, I don't want to do news. You know, I want to do sports. And so I remember calling whoever it was and saying I couldn't come down. And then not too long after that, you know, I covered, um, got a job covering Auburn um, for a newspaper in Alabama. And that was my, my first big beat sports beat running job. Then I returned to the Clarion Ledger where my wife and I got married in Jackson. She, she was working for the Clarion Ledger and we worked there for, I worked there for four years at high schools and Jackson state. And then we moved to Missouri. We both worked there in journalism. Uh, and then we, of course, as you mentioned, moved to Baton Rouge and we spent six years in Baton Rouge. Five, I covered LSU for five of those years and got the call from SI in uh, May of uh, 2018 to, um, join them and, and be national college football. And it's just, uh, it's been a great ride ever since. Ross, it's a, it's really, it's really impressive sort of where you are in your life. And as a, as a former publisher, I appreciate someone who's a wordsmith and, and you've got to be immensely talented to begin. We got to be a good creative thinker. You have to be willing to understand how to get to the facts. And then you got to be talented in the way you convey the story. And your ability to capture stories is really incredible. Two stories that you've been involved with just recently. Uh, you wrote a story about Jackson State, the Hail Mary that that uh, that, that we all know. So Jacksonville State, excuse me, and the Hail Mary that uh, stunned Florida State. And then you wrote a terrific story leading up to the Florida, uh, University of Florida and Alabama game about the, 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 the coach selection process that was, I think, timely, really timely as it related to the, the incredible close game that they had with Alabama. And if we have time, we're going to talk about those. But I want to circle back for just a second. Then we'll start this part of the conversation and then we'll take it into the next part. But I was aware of you, Ross. I followed you. I read what you wrote uh, when you covered LSU. I was interested in the fact that you'd gone to Sports Illustrated. But it wasn't until your story about your aunt appeared in Time Magazine that it hit me that I probably should have had you on the show some time ago just to talk about what you were up to these days and and what I viewed uh, as a really talented writer beyond sports, but just a talented writer. And the piece that you wrote for Time Magazine probably tells that story the best. So let me ask Kyle real quick. Kyle, how much time do we have left in this segment? Four and a half. We have four and a half minutes. So let me read, Ross, let me read a, a couple of segments from that Time Magazine piece that shows how good a writer you really are. And uh, in this particular case, is you wrote with your heart. And then if we run out of time in this segment, we'll pick it up on the other side. So I'll watch Kyle closely for the time and let me go ahead and just share with you something that you wrote um, about your aunt who was at the time struggling with um, with COVID and had passed away, unfortunately, from, from COVID. So here's what you wrote. In normal times, the ICU is a dreadful place. Sickness, sickness lingers like fog. You can feel it, sense it, even hear it. The machinery pumping, the alarms ringing, the nurses scrambling. In pandemic times, the ICU is chilling. Death lives here. Medical staff members wear green biohazard suits, face shields, latex gloves, and shoe coverings. 
Stripes of red tape, isolation, they read, mark the windows and doors of individual rooms. Behind each is a patient who cannot breathe on their own, kept alive by a ventilation machine that is connected to an invasive tube running down the, their windpipe and into their lungs. Each room is almost identical. A person, some on their stomachs, others on their backs, sedated and paralyzed, roughly a dozen patches and pipes protruding from them, blankets hiding their naked bodies. Most of them will not make it out of here, the nurse tells me. In fact, this particular ICU in the southern Gulf Coast, COVID-19 patients needing a ventilator have a fatality rate approaching 100%. Over the last year, hundreds of them spent their time here. Seven of them survived. I wish people could walk in my shoes for a day, the nurse muffles through a mask. The nurse is nice, but blunt. She's frustrated like so many in the medical community, she says. In this ICU, there are 25 patients battling COVID-19. She pauses before finishing the thought, 24 of them are unvaccinated. That includes the patient before her, the one with braided red curls, pale skin, and the one with rosaries draped over her bedside, laying flat on her stomach, her left ear and cheek exposed, a tube inserted in her mouth, filling her lungs with oxygen. She's in her 40s a mother to a teenager, a wife to a husband, a daughter to an 81-year-old mom, a sister to three older siblings, a friend to hundreds, and an aunt, a godmother, and a kindred spirit to one lucky nephew, me. You go on to write, it's a sad story like so many in this God-forsaken God world. We are surrounded by sadness. We are surrounded by sickness. These stories are playing out across our stubborn country throughout an ailing world. They are there are thousands of them, and this is but one. It ends in suffering. It ends in the most awful, debilitating pain a human can stand. You go on to talk about how crushing it is, and you, you talked about your aunt. Uh, you said a lot of interesting things, but one that you said was no one was quite like my aunt. I do mean no one. How do you describe someone who could make your, you both laugh and cry in the same sentence? A woman who devoted her life to helping underprivileged people with special needs. You go on. But man, that was, what. If, first of all, it also, it shows incredible ability to write, obviously. But it also shows someone who can display their heart and soul on paper and share your frustration about sort of what your aunt was experiencing at the time. And what I don't want to do is start start with getting your response until we get to the other side of the of the, um, of the of the deal. But um, when we when we come back from break, we'll hear more from Ross Dellinger. He's one of the Mississippi coast of Mississippi uh, people who've done well with their lives. He's from Biloxi. He's a collegiate sports writer for. Sports Illustrated, and when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. See you after this break. on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. We have Ross Dellinger, native son, who's gone on to do incredible things in his journalistic career. Currently a collegiate writer at Sports Illustrated and the son of, uh, of, a, of a really decorated football and other coach here in coastal Mississippi, Stan Dellinger. It's someone both of my sons played for, incidentally. So that's important to note here. But, uh, but Ross, again, it, when I read your piece from Time Magazine, you described what I saw. I spent time in the ICU and also the surgical ICU over at Ocean Springs, which is part of Singing River Health Systems. And what I observed was so sad. And what I what I tried to describe on my show on numerous numerous occasions is literally what how you opened this story this this story about how dreadful a place the ICU was these days. But talk to me about what was behind deciding to write that piece. Yeah, well, um, I think uh, two reasons. The the first was uh, a selfish reason um, because it helped me. You know, um, I've, uh, I find myself, um, better after, after difficult, um, difficult experiences, um, writing about those experiences seems to, to help me for whatever reason. Um, you know, and usually it's an emotional time writing those things and, um, sometimes, my emotions pour out as I'm writing and that, that I think that is just probably a, uh, a helpful calming effect, uh, for me. So for one, yeah, that, that, that's certainly one reason is that I know that it would help me based on, um, how I've, I've done things in the past when I lost my grandpa a year and a half ago. Um, the, I did kind of did the same thing and, uh, those things seem to help me. Uh, number two, was um, to take readers into um, in, into what it's the, the world of COVID. You know, um, we hear it and we we see it on TV, and we might even read about it here and there, and read about the data and the numbers and all this stuff. But to truly have, uh, be impacted by it on a a personal level with your family is different. And I wanted to share that experience with other people in hopes that it would encourage them or, um, you know, to, to get the vaccine or at least seriously think about consider, get the vaccine. Um, you know, it, it, it felt like it was so, this was so preventable and avoidable that I, I, I wanted to make sure that I could touch as many people as I could with it. Um, and the response has been overwhelming. Um, just heard directly from hundreds of probably over 300 people. And a lot of the, the emails and the text are, fairly similar. Um, it is, wow, you know, great touching piece. It brought me to tears and it has led me to reach out to my family or friend who refuses to get the vaccine. Um, and, and now I have the inspiration to talk to them or to send them your story. And that's what I intended it to do. You know, um, 
I've had a similar going with Coastview uh, during during the pandemic as it became clear that this current wave of Delta was mostly about the unvaccinated. Um, you know, really urging people to get vaccinated. Having experts like Dr. Nicholas Conger, who's an infectious disease doctor at Memorial, come on the show and talk about that as well. And what I hear loud and clear from nurses that I've talked to who are on the front line in the ICUs to the doctors that are on front line dealing with COVID patients to the hospital administrators, one of the saddest things that they hear is the bedside regret. And they, they all tell a very similar story, and that is, I wish I had gotten the vaccine. And one guy, his last words before he died was, I wish I had not listened to all the misinformation on Facebook. And what's interesting is I think we turn people telling that story. If we turn one, it's worth worth spending the time talking about it. But there's so much misinformation. And one day maybe you and I can visit again about that and how how much that has made it difficult to get into people and and to share the facts because this misinformation somehow convinced them they have the facts. But I want to applaud you for for, for writing the story, to, for, for using essentially your megaphone. I mean, the fact that Time Magazine you know, um, uh, printed your story and then, of course, it's been shared widely. I want to, before we get too far away from it, you, uh, you made a, a, a comparison to the famous Jim Valvano speech where at the 1993 ESPY Awards. You know, I, I've watched that many, many, many times. But t- tell, tell before we get too far away from your aunt, why your aunt inspired you in that way. Yeah, you know, uh, Jimmy Valvano, the the old NC State basketball coach. Uh, I think it might have been the '93 uh, SB Awards. I want to say where he was sick and and dying of cancer and. Um, got up there to receive an award and, and had that famous speech where uh, one of the lines has always kind of stuck with me and it was his secret to life, right? Three to do three things every single day, uh, to cry every day, to think every day and to laugh every day. And if you did those three things, that's kind of the secret to, to having a good life. And when I think about my aunt a lot, it reminded me of those things. Um, you know, she um, was uh, an incredibly outgoing, bubbly, emotional person, um, caring, incredibly caring, um, loving, um, but also you know, humorous, uh, in, in kind of a, in a lot of ways, a comedian, her own comedian, our family's comedian. So she, and she was ex- extraordinarily smart, um, you know, very smart, well-read person. Um, so it, she reminded me of that, you know, she, every day she, she, um, she, you know, she was a thinker, she was a laugher and, and, and she was a, a crier. And, uh, there's been, plenty of times where she's made me do all three in, in one sentence. So, uh, you know, she, she, um, she reminded me of that. And, and that was a quote that I, I thought would be useful. And actually in my eulogy of her at her service, uh, I read that quote as well because, um, it just tells a lot about her. Well, I married Ann Bohanovich. She's from the Bohanovich clan on the point. And, you know, so many of her, her, you know, Lisa Bohanovich, she married uh, Alan Picard and her brother, Peter Bohanovich. And you, I mean, you know, the whole family. But 
I can I can attest to the fact that as your as your aunt was so challenged in her final days, the the amount of time that that community around her communicated with one another about it, and the, the amount of praying that, that that happened. When you say she was friend to hundreds, that I mean that is no exaggeration. She she touched a lot of people, and I know that that she would have wanted you to use this moment to to try to bring some sanity to what you call the stubborn country, because it's true that we, we live in a stubborn country these days. And so, so I don't know how something like a vaccine and so, how, how something like uh, a pandemic can become so politicized. And this is not a political show, so I don't, I don't really even go there on, on the normal day. But, but the fact is that there are so many challenges and I sh- I, th- I can tell you for sure, buddy, she would have been very proud of you and the way you wrote about the situation. And I, and I bless you for that. And, um, you know, I'm sorry that you've had to go through this. Let's shift gears now. It's been very interesting, as I said at the beginning of the show, that, you know, if you look at this, the, I mean, this, the storied past of Sports Illustrated is just really incredible. And even today, when you hear the name of Sports Illustrated, what you think about is incredible writing. I, I, probably long before you even had the opportunity to join Sports Illustrated, you were thinking to yourself, wow, man, the people who work for this company are incredibly good writers. Were you, is that sort of where you were long before you had an opportunity to go there? Yeah, well, I, I certainly knew the, you know, the track record of, of SI and, and followed a lot of uh, their writers through the years. Um, I, uh, I, you know, growing up, I, I read the magazine. I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't read it uh, regularly, probably like a lot of people did. Um, but I certainly read it um, from time to time. And, it, it, you know, it, it was never a place that uh, I, I ever thought that I would um, get to, um, I don't know that it was a place that I even had expectation to aspire to, to get to something like that. Um, but, um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's humbling to, to be here. And, uh, it's, it's a little, uh, it can be, you're surrounded by such good talent. Um, part of the reason I was really brought to, to SI for, for, was for college football reporting uh, and not maybe not quite as much writing but it you know it's it's evolved into that um, you know and I'm and I'm and I'm happy about that and I've had you know a lot of help with with editors at SI from yeah, Ross, do let's that. do this this is Ross Dellinger he's uh, a writer for Sports Illustrated from Biloxi we're celebrating him and his incredible talent when we come back, we'll continue the story about what his journey at Sports Illustrated has been like since he joined them. We'll be back after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Supertalk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. You know, I, one of the one of the real joys of my this 
you can call it a job. I do this show every day, but I'm mostly retired these days. But I've had this opportunity to reconnect with the community. I forgot how much I learned being a publisher. So it's been great, you know, contributing what I've learned to make the conversations with each of my guests as, as, as rich as they possibly can be. And today's conversation is really no exception. Uh, you can call him a, a Blexi boy. He's done well. <laughs> His name is Ross Dellinger. Got great connections here in Biloxi. Lives in Washington, D.C. now and works for Sports Illustrated. But, you know, when we went to break, you were talking about they may not have necessarily hired you said they may not have necessarily hired you for your writing. But but let me tell you, they did hire you for your writing because you are an immensely talented man. I I, I want to go back to um, the story that you wrote about is this is the headline Dan Mullen, Chip Kelly, uh, Scott Frost and the coaching search that remade Florida football. Really a timely story actually leading up to it. But I, I want to just this is one paragraph I'm going to pull from it. And then I'll be interested to know sort of how the rest of the story turned out, that close game that happened and get your thoughts about that. But Gators at 2-0 and ranked number uh, 11 are big underdogs having lost much of the talent that helped coach Dan Mullen start his career by winning more games at the University of Florida. 29 wins over 35 games than any coach in school history, even ahead of Urban Meyer and Steve Spurrier. The Todd lost plenty of talent too, but as Nick Saban's football factory often does, it has churned out replacement specimens. I just love the way you said that actually. So, um, you know, looking back on that, it probably, when you write a story like that, it really does set it up well for you when you watch the game to, to kind of know a little bit more of the story behind the story. But what did you observe when you watched that game? Well, uh, I guess it depended on what quarter it was. Uh, certainly the early on during the game, I observed what I expected that I would see, which was um, pretty much complete, you know, domination from, from Alabama. Uh, and then, um, you know, slowly uh over the over the next few plays and couple hours you saw a florida team that um made uh adjustments and running the football and adjustments defensively to not just kind of hang around but but come pretty much all the way back and uh, it was impressive to see and you know after the game uh nick saving credited actually dan mullen uh, quite a bit for his offensive offensive strategy um, against the tide and using the speed option and using the run on the edges and, and just uh, running the football like they did in creative ways. Um, and you, you could see it up, up from the press box. It was impressive, and it, it came down to uh, what a lot of games come down to. You know, it's, it is a game of inches, and, and um, you know, uh, Florida could have tied the game on a two-point conversion by – getting three yards um they couldn't do it and then a few minutes later alabama extended uh, what was a game-winning drive by converting uh, a third and two and you know getting two yards and sometimes that's what it comes down to in football yeah it was and it, you, there was an interesting story you wrote though about how they ultimately came to know dan mullen there were some frustrating times uh Leading up to that, I think at one point, I, I remember you saying something like members of the search committee, basically all they could do is just go to the local water hole and get a drink. But it was an interesting story to sort of find out what was going on behind the scenes for this this place, University of Florida, as you pointed out, has all this incredible talent, all this money, all this opportunity. But, man, it was a frustrating coach search for them, wasn't it? 
It was, you know, I love to go back and uh, do the retrospective of, of coaching searches because it always reveals um, um, just some, some interesting nuggets that never, they're so, they're so secretive uh, that uh, a lot of times they don't come out in, in reporting uh, while the search is, is going on. So I like to go back and that was the third or fourth one I've done where I go back and kind of look at what happened. And that one was especially interesting because of course, Scott Strickland had so many uh, emotional uh, and, and, and business ties and relationships to Mississippi and Mississippi State. Jackson, Mississippi boy, uh, uh, you know, and worked and went to school at Mississippi State, was AD at Mississippi State before he left for Florida. And the last thing he wanted to do, I think, was go back and take Mississippi State's most successful football coach. Um, and so to avoid that, I think he went to some different avenues at the start of the search. Um, and that was Chip Kelly, uh, who was at the time out of, uh, out of coaching football, was an analyst for ESPN. And so he, he chased Chip Kelly. And I think, you know, uh, probably would have offered Chip the job or did offer him the job. Um, but uh, Chip decided, despite meeting with Florida two different times, to, um, to take the UCLA job and uh, go out west where he had so much success at Oregon. And um, so he did that. And, and Scott kind of turned then, uh, Scott Strickland kind of turned into – to the UF, UCF coach at the time, which was Scott Frost, who's now in Nebraska, and then Dan Mullen. And, and it was kind of between those two. And, um, you know, as the legend goes, that they they called Scott Frost on uh, a Saturday morning after Thanksgiving in 2017, and he said, I'll call you back, and he never did. And, and so Scott Strickland called Dan Mullen and worked out a deal with him. And then, of course, the next day, uh, Scott Frost, as we all know, was hired by Nebraska. Well, you did a great job of kind of nailing that down. <clears throat> the other story that I mentioned at the beginning uh, of the show was your look back inside the Jacksonville State Hail Mary that stunned Florida State. It's going to be interesting to see if there's a lasting impact of that. What's your, what's your read on that? Well, yeah, it's just another uh, another low point uh, for the Seminoles. Um, it's been a long uh, three or four years of a lot of low points um, in that um, that may have been the lowest to lose at home to an FCS program after having a, you know, a 10 point lead in the second half. Um, they allowed a 99 yard drive and then they allowed that uh, that drive that ended kind of, you know, on that final heave down the field. Um, it, it, yeah, it's it's hard to kind of describe what. Um, the situation that the Florida State football program is in, uh, I, you know, I don't know how it, it got this bad. Um, it always starts a lot of times with, you know, the recruiting part of it. And late during Jimbo Fisher's tenure there, I, I think that you could see um, the, rep the recruiting part of it getting getting bad. And, and uh, then they hired Willie Taggart and gave him a year and a half before firing him. And now Norvell is going to have – about the same, if not a worse record, um, through a year and a half, and and uh, yeah, it's just shocking what's happened um, to to that uh, to that program. Um, it really is, and it's just another another low point there. Um, sooner or later, teams, the FBS teams, Power Five teams specifically, are going to um, 
realize that they ought not to um, schedule Jacksonville State. They they're an <laughs> FCS team, but uh, but they get a lot of power five transfer players and the two players, the quarterback and the receiver that made that play. One was transferred from Duke. The other was transferred from Clemson. So um, they're, they're always a competitive team. And really they have, they have been a powerhouse in the FCS uh, uh, for about eight, six, eight years. And you remember a few years ago, people remember them for taking Auburn to overtime. So they're, they're, it's just kind of a bad move, I think, for to, to schedule them if you're an FBS program. So uh, we've got about a minute left. Tell me what you're working on now for Sports Illustrated. Well, uh, you know, right now we're in the middle of a lot of things going on in, in college sports. Uh, it just It's one issue after another. Uh, I find myself, instead of a lot of times getting to write about games or players or coaches, I'm I'm writing about the issues and in sports business type issues around the sport. Um, and right now, specifically this week, is is college football playoff and the expansion of, of the college football playoff and why it may or may not happen. Um, but there are a range of of issues right now. Uh, you know, the conference realignment, obviously, that we've seen with Oklahoma and Texas and. Um, and then Houston, Cincinnati, UCF going to the Big 12 with BYU and just the whole landscape of college college sports is changing. Uh, and then, you know, that doesn't even mention name, image and likeness, which, um, you know, which is is uh, a, a pretty big deal right now. So it's it's one thing after another. Well, it's going to be it's going to be really fascinating to watch the impact of paying players on the game. And I, for one. I don't know where you stand on it, but I, for one, think it's, 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 uh, we're late getting there <laughs> because some of these young men will go on to pro careers. Some of them will not. And, uh, you know, they've been robbed of the opportunity to, to make a living even while they're in college. And hopefully, uh, you know, I'm sure Sports Illustrated will be all over that, like you always are, covering the in-depth, every angle of the dangle and talking to all the smart people and doing doing a great job. But listen, man, we got, we're got we at the end of this segment. I'll give you the chance to have the last word. Well, uh, Ricky, I appreciate you having me. Um, certainly, uh, I remember uh, – remember you at the Sun Herald and as a newspaper I grew up reading and uh, Doug Barber and you know helping me helping me uh, kind of want to aspire to, to to be a sports writer you know and and so now I appreciate you having me on and uh, certainly love the uh, love the Gulf Coast and return quite a bit and I hope my story of my aunt um, you know will will help others well by the way Doug Barber is amazing and uh, thanks for inspiring me with your with your story of your aunt. I'm so sorry that you had to write that, obviously. God bless you, my friend, and good luck to you. And we'll have you back in a few months and just check in and see how things are going. This has been Ross Dellinger from Biloxi, who works for Sports Illustrated. Have a great day. And uh, well, actually, we'll come back with Kyle after this, after this break. We'll see you in just a second. Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I could have done 
three shows with Ross Dellinger. <laughs> There's so much to talk about with that incredible young man who's done really well. But another Biloxi and done well, living in Washington D.C. now working for Sports Illustrated. Um, man, what a what an inspiring uh, young man is, and a great writer. And I'm so sorry about his aunt. His mother is uh, and father, Stan and Rose Dellinger, uh, just terrific people here in, in Biloxi. His sister, Evelyn, actually went to school with my son, Jordan. She's a, peach, a speech pathologist. And Anne shared something with me. I just wanted to read it to you real quick. Um, this is uh, this is what Ross wrote about his father on May the 3rd, <clears throat> and this is what he said. In the last decade, Coach Stan Dellinger has won five high school state championships in three different sports, football, girls track, and boys track. Last weekend, his St. Patrick girls claimed a three-peat, winning the state title for the third consecutive time, and his boys won the championship too. Coach Dell is a great coach, a better man, and a damn good dad too. Uh, and then he says, congrats, Pop. I just love that. But, you know, Kyle, come on in for just a second. Man, we, we're lucky that we get to, to check in with all these amazing people who are doing incredible things, not just here in coastal Mississippi, but coastal Mississippians that have gone off to make a contribution to the world. And, uh, you know, Ross is just another great example of that, isn't he? He really is. You know, there's I think if you ask people outside of Mississippi who is from Mississippi, I think the majority of people in the United States don't really know. Yeah. You know, you really have to be that person to say, here's our resume. This yeah. is what we stand for. This is who come from Mississippi. And they uh, really I did not realize. And, you know, it, it's it's sad that it's that way. But, you know, it is what it is. It is sad that it's that way, but you know the birthplace of American music. You know, you know, I've I love the blues story, but there's so many incredible you know country music artists and rock and roll legends. Like I mean, Elvis Presley, for example, and the uh, worldwide impact they have on some of the greatest bands of our time. And then of course you've got great journalists and great literary writers and and um, playwrights and the list goes on. Artists. I mean, the story of Walter Anderson. I mean, we mentioned that John's uh, Robert St. John's is just completing a new book on probably the most in-depth book on Walter Anderson yet, this Renaissance man that made his mark. But the list goes on and on. But just Ross is just another one. <clears throat> but the fact that he, his aunt died of COVID and was loved by so many and that he wrote about it with such affection and such sad knowledge, unfortunately, and that it gets it gets uh, run in Time magazine and really shared around the world. Um, again, once again, we have a a, a a Mississippian who's gone on to do amazing things, and and he's proud to be from Biloxi. And it's great to hear that, isn't it? It really is. And I, you know, I've read that story too. And I, you know, I I guess I've pretty much got one of the things I I cried when I read that story this morning. Of yeah. Show. Um, it really was from the heart, very well uh, written, and it's sad that we have to fight with people over the vaccination. I'm like him. I don't want to harp on it. I don't want to be the person to stand on a box and say, you need to do this, blah, blah, blah. Just here's here's the facts. But unfortunately, you know, it's kind of gotten to where, you know, everybody said, well, it's not approved. It's not approved. So now that it's approved, here's what I've seen this morning. 
their new slant on it is this is the meme that I saw today. The FDA approved does not mean scientifically proven. It means that a business deal has been made. Oh, Lord. It's so, so that's sad. Stand on now. <laughs> It's so sad. <laughs> I had a had a uh, just a troubling conversation with a family member from Alabama, who said that the um, monoclonal antibody infusion was just approved last Thursday. Which I'm saying, how, where would you where would you get that information? That's been used for months now, and but you know blaming Biden for holding it up, so to speak. It just. Uh, so much misinformation, and my goal has been people are going to make the right decision. And hopefully, if you give them the best information available and somehow get them away from their misinformation, maybe they'll make a good choice. Yep. But when you know, he said, you know, he said in his story, we are surrounded by sickness. These stories are playing out across our stubborn country, throughout our ailing world. There are thousands of them, and this is is but one. It's just so extraordinarily well put. But man, you you find a really really good writer, what I call a wordsmith, and you give them some pain, and the words will spill out on paper in ways that inspire people. And that's what Ross did for Time Magazine. Yeah, that just reading that article and watching the progression of how the whole story felt, it seemed like it was an easy write. Not that it's an easy write emotionally, but to physically put the words down to tell that story it was i mean it's it's like any it's like almost like songs when people say it took me 20 seconds to write a number one hit that sold millions and millions it just comes naturally it comes easy to you when it's something that's passionate and something that really hits to the heart well, you know, to be inspired by Jim Valvano, uh, Valvano, I think is the way you say his last name, from his 1993 SV speech, but that everyone should laugh, think, and cry every single day. And he said his, his aunt inspired him in that way. And, uh, man, that's really good advice. It means, you know, to, to cry every day, you have to have empathy for others. You have to be yep. aware of the human condition. To laugh means you have to have humility and just say, you know, come on, man, we can't take everything seriously. And thinking, gosh, dang it, I wish more people would think for themselves. As my friend Mark Henderson from Lazy Magnolia said many times on our show, that too many people wait to open up Facebook today to see what it is they need to think today, as opposed to coming up with their own thoughts. Laugh, think, and cry every day. It's great advice, isn't it, buddy? It very, It is very good advice, and we have about 10 seconds, so... God bless you, my friend. It's great. Hey, it's been a special edition of uh, Coast View. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Follow Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.